Our scripture reading this morning will be from the prophet of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 25 through 31. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, family. It's really good to see each one of you here today. Um, I get to introduce our guest preacher today, and uh, I'm really happy to do so. Uh, Jesus uh, told his disciples one time, he said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this lifetime. Uh, Jesus talking about the cost of, of following him um, and what a person gives up to live with Jesus as king. Basically saying, look, for everything you think you're going to give up, it's going to pale in comparison to what you gain in my forever family. And um, one of those gains, if you will, are family members. And that's been my experience. I mean, when my family and I moved across oceans, leaving behind our blood family to live uh, here in Okinawa, um, over the past seven years, we have, I have gained a hundredfold uh, brothers and sisters more than I ever left behind. And this morning, I get to introduce you to one of those brothers. Uh, and not only is he one of those brothers, he's like one of my favorite brothers. Because you all have favorite siblings, right? Or least favorite siblings? That'd be fun conversation sometime just to go around the room. We'll do that at our next open mic confession Sunday. Um, Joey, Joey is one of my favorite brothers. Joey and I met in 2017. Uh, we were both working through like a church planter assessment process. And though I was here in Okinawa and he was in Tokyo, we hadn't met in person in Japan. It took both of us flying to Nashville, Tennessee um, to meet in person. And we stayed in the Airbnb and endured the assessment together. And amazingly, we both passed that assessment, Joey. Um, and so for the last seven years, Joey and I have come to know each other, not just as friends, but as, as deeply loved uh, brothers. And I think so highly of Joey. Um, one of my favorite authors, a guy named Eugene Peterson, talks about faith as he called, he, he describes it as um, the faith of a Christian is long obedience in the same direction. Just, just long obedience in the same direction. And if I could say anything about Joey and his wife, Giselle, I would say that as I have watched them 
for the last seven to eight years, what I have seen is a long, faith-filled obedience in the same direction. And what's special about that is there are church planting missionaries in the city of Tokyo. And if you're not familiar with kind of missionary movements and their assessment of, of Japan over time, it's that Japan is known as the graveyard for Christian missionaries. And so it's not just that they've had a long obedience in the same direction. They've had a long obedience in the same direction in a city and in a country that is known for just wearing Christian missionaries out, so much so that people would call it the graveyard of missions. And uh, Joey, I've watched you and I've watched Giselle work anticipating that God will do good things in a very difficult place, and you have faithfully and patiently endured. And uh, I respect you so much for that, and I'm glad that the rest of my family today uh, here at Pillar will have the opportunity to not only meet you both, but to hear Joey uh, as you preach for us from God's Word. So if you want to come up, uh, Joey, I'll pray over you. And guys, honestly, as glad as I am that you're here uh, to hear my brother Joey uh, share from God's Word, um, the only thing I'd write, his hidden talent is he's like one of Japan's best guitarists, little-known guitarists. And my only disappointment in our relationship is that he's never, you, you've sent me video of you playing on your days off but I have yet to get you to bring your guitar down here with you. But maybe when you're done preaching, you could pick up Grant or Chris. Could he play with you guys? Could we do that? You should, you should do that, Joey. <laughs> All right, let me pray for my brother, and then uh, he'll, he'll take us to work. Father, I thank you for Joey. Uh, I have so much respect for him. I'm so glad that you, uh, in losing brothers in other places that I've lived and moving away from blood brothers, you have added Joey to my family, um, and he's, he's so much more than a friend. He's, he is truly a brother. Uh, he's a brother I respect. Um, Father, you've been so kind to him, and Joey lives in response to your kindness, and he wants to see other people made glad through experiencing the same kindness uh, that he has. And that kindness is not an easy life. Uh, Joey and Giselle have persevered through very challenging circumstances, but your kindness is your presence with them in a difficult life and purpose in the difficulty and promise in the difficulty, and, uh, but most beautifully, your presence. So thank you that they're here with us today. Thank you that we can, uh, we can hear from Joey as he speaks from your word and points us to you, Jesus, and your kindness, to you, Father, and your, your deep love for us, your forever keeping of us, and your uh, your full forgiveness of us, and as Joey points us to you, Spirit, and your faithful work in bringing our, our dead, cold hearts to life and making them a place of, of joy and peace. And so I just pray that you'd give him real freedom as he shares with us from Isaiah, and I pray that you'd prepare our hearts to hear the gospel and respond to it. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this morning, actually, in the first service, I mentioned that, you know, uh, there's a verse in Romans chapter 12 that says, I'll do one another in showing honor. And it has been hard to beat John to that verse. He has always been outdoing the other brothers. I just want to honor him. I just want to honor John and Linnea. Uh, this will be the last sermon for me before they head off. And uh, I just want to say thank you for your friendship and your kindness. 
Uh, I first met John, as he mentioned, at the X29 Global Conference in 2017. And then since then, you know, it was really John who showed leadership, love, sacrifice, generosity, and patience with the X29 pastors in Japan. Uh, John made several trips, uh, persisted in trying to bring the X29 pastors together. Uh, it's not easy. There were, there's about three or four when we began. Uh, X29 in Japan did not exist. It came uh, into being out of nothing. And honestly, it was a, we were quite fragmented. And it was John and his relentless effort coming to Tokyo, you know, uh, on several trips who brought us together. And without John, honestly, I think that X29 Japan would not be where it is today. Uh, but here's one quality that I learned from John over the years, which I want to emulate in my life, and it's this, that John never wanted to take center stage. That's what I observed, and he always put the Japanese pastors first, and uh, which is evident even in the uh, Okinawa, Gospel to Okinawa initiative. Uh, more than that, John is a dear friend and uh, uh, a very great brother who has advocated for the Bridge Fellowship and many other pastors. I want to thank you for your ministry here, brother, and your love. And I, we cannot fail to mention uh, the one who is sitting beside him, and her name is Linnea Ransom, a wonderful godly lady without Linnea supporting John behind him, always side by side. I don't think we'd see John in Tokyo a lot. So thank you so much for you know, being the woman who is behind the successful man, telling him that he's wrong. <laughs> okay, so we truly appreciate you both, and thank you for your friendship and kindness. So without further ado, I just want to say thank you, uh, Pillar Church. You all have been praying for us, and all those who have been praying for us, you, you know you. Thank you so much for your kindness. Let's bow our heads and go right into the Word of God. There is absolutely no God like you in all of the earth. And we say together with the psalmist one more time, Whom have I in heaven but you? There is none on earth that I desire besides you. No God is as grand as you are. And so, Father, I pray that you would come by your Spirit, captivate our thoughts and our imaginations, Awaken our senses to the beauty, the wonder, and the majesty of who Jesus is. I pray that, Father, in the next few minutes, you would pierce us, that you would awaken new affections for you, that you would enlarge our hearts and our capacities to worship you. And may we find restfulness and renewed strength as we do that. I pray that your word would lodge itself securely in the hearts of the hearers, that there would be the hearing of faith, that you would hide this sinful preacher, show Christ and his greatness to your people. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what comes to your mind when you think who, about who God is? What comes to your mind as you go about your day and you think of the word God? 
What comes to your mind when you think about him? Here Isaiah had seen a vision of the Jewish exiles in Babylonian captivity around the 6th century BC. By this time in our passage, uh, Israel had seen the Assyrian Empire fall. God had wiped out that empire just like that. And here's the situation that God's people were finding themselves in. How can you celebrate when a more powerful invader has come to oppress you, namely the Babylonians? So as God's people were sinking in deep discouragement and even to a point of being in despair, Isaiah here brings a renewed vision of God's greatness and awesome power. So from our passage, we'll see, number one, that God is incomparable in greatness. Number two, we'll see that God does not grow weary like us. Thirdly, we'll see that God renews us, renews strength in our weaknesses. So number one, God is incomparable in greatness. We read in verse 25. To whom then would you liken me? that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out your host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. So what comes to your mind when you think about God, especially when you are discouraged? Imagine the Jewish exiles with me for a moment. Here they were in Babylonian captivity. Uh, they had seen the greatness of the Babylonian empire. After all, the Babylonians had defeated them. Uh, they had destroyed their capital and exiled many of them. And it must have felt like at this point that God had failed them. As they looked around at their circumstances... Again, imagine the Jewish exiles here comparing the impressive pagan idols with the Jerusalem temple, which had been destroyed. This is why back in verse 18, Isaiah asked, to whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare him? An idol. A craftsman cast it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and cast it for silver chains. See, God had put down a Syrian empire. And soon he was going to raise up a, uh, a pagan king, Cyrus, to end the Babylonians once and for all. And then he's going to bring the exiles home. This is the God that we are worshiping. Even in Isaiah, uh, sorry, ver verse 23, Isaiah had said, he brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. This God that we worship, Raises up, raises up kings, he throws down the other. He does whatever he pleases. Who can say to him, what has he done? This is a big and powerful God. So Isaiah here shows that the God of Israel is unmatched in wonder. He's unmatched in majesty. He's unmatched in awesome power. Now, what happens when we lose sight of God's greatness? I know in my heart that people, things, situations, and circumstances start to look bigger and more impressive than God, isn't it? 
But God here is asking us, right, in verse 25, to whom then will you compare me? <laughs> that I should be like him, says the Holy One. In Isaiah's vision, see, God is holy and altogether lovely. There is no sight as beautiful and as glorious as our God. Amen. Right? Ultimate purity and beauty is found in him. Every beauty that you see around you is meant to reflect back to this God who has made us. All beauty and awesome power and majesty is found in this God. So none can compare to his matchless word. And so God invites his people here. He says, notice, lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created this, he says. Remember now that in the Babylonian empire and also in Isaiah's time, uh, many religions worship the stars. Of course, we know that there were astronomical cults who influenced the northern kingdom of Israel and also the kings of Judah. We find it in 2 Kings. But God says here, lift up your eyes on high and see. Do not be impressed by the pagan idols. Who created this, he says. Now, we know that astronomers say that there are approximately 400 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy. So pause and worship with me for a moment. In our Milky Way galaxy alone, there are 400 billion stars, and there are about 200 billion galaxies in the entire universe. So the total number of stars in our entire universe, in our observable universe, is estimated to be around 200 billion trillions. <laughs> so, pause and worship with me for a moment. Isaiah simply says, God brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might, and because he's strong in power, not one of them is missing, he says. Without God's sustaining awesome power, the entire universe would go into utter chaos and ruin. We won't be here. This is the God of the universe that we are dealing with here. So when was the last time you paused and stood in awe of God's greatness and awesome power? Isaiah says, lift up your eyes on high and see who created this. That's a posture of faith. Faith is lifting up your eyes to the God of the universe. Faith is preoccupied with God's greatness, not myself. Faith is preoccupied with the bigness and the greatness of this sovereign God, not self. You don't look inward and seek to find fulfillment. It's not there. You have to look out. Faith looks at the God of the universe. So he says, lift up your eyes on high and see who created this. Faith is seeing God for who he really is. Notice now that their focus moves from the stars to who created this. Who? So we're talking about a person, a being, a powerful being. 
See, when our eyes are not on God, we are always seeing something lesser in greatness than God. Right? When our eyes are not on God, we're always captivated by things that are lesser in greatness than God. Idolatry is fixating our eyes on created things or someone in an attitude of worship. So how many of you have seen the Lord of the Rings? Yes? Remember that person who said, precious, <laughs> precious, precious. <laughs> That's idolatry. That's your idolatrous heart saying, precious. I want that thing more than God. Created things, things that are good and true and beautiful to be received as gift, turn into ultimate things. You say, I want that more than God. Your heart is saying that. Like the exiles, when circumstances look greater than God, it's so easy to fixate our eyes elsewhere. And this makes us weary and exhausted, isn't it? But look at the Holy One in Isaiah's vision. He's incomparable with the man-made idols, the shiny idols. Oh, Tokyo, where I live, is so full of things that are glittering on the outside, but the nation is dark on the inside. He's incomparable with the idols in verse 25, and incomparable in his greatness and power here in verse 26. Your God, the God you worship, is incomparable in strength. He does not grow weary. And so next we see God who does not grow weary like us. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, as we sang that song. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Notice that Jacob and Israel here represent all the 12 tribes of Israel. Here in verse 27, God's people in exile were now feeling abandoned by God. How many of you have been there? Israel had nearly given up hope thinking that God had abandoned them. So Isaiah says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, that your way is hidden from the Lord? And so here's a question that I have for you. What do you say to yourself when circumstances blur your vision of God? What do you say daily in your own mind to yourself when circumstances blur your vision of this grand vision of God? How many of you know in this room that no one speaks to you more than you do? Yes? You are the one who mulls over things, meditates on things day in and day out. You speak to your heart more than anyone else. What do you say to yourself when circumstances blur your vision of God? Because here in the midst of captivity, the Israelites were saying this, my way is hidden from the Lord. And I want to say this sympathetically because this, this spiritual depression is very real. 
as a minister of the gospel, I have been there. In dark nights, the dark night of the soul, I have experienced this. How can God allow this to happen to us? My way is hidden from the Lord. My right is disregarded by my God. Where is God in all of this? When are we going to return home? My situation is disregarded by my God. My way is hidden from the Lord. So what lies do we entertain in our minds in our lowest moments? What are some of the lies that you may be entertaining about God in your lowest moments? See, many of them were at their lowest point in that history. They had become so weary and crushed in spirit. What they heard daily on BBC, namely the Babylonian Broadcasting Corporation and social media were adding more to their despairing thoughts. It wasn't helping them. It was help, just helping them become more overwhelmed. And so Isaiah says, why do you say, oh Jacob? So the why question is what uncovers the hidden idols of your heart? So Isaiah doesn't come and say, what is happening in your situation? No, no. He says, why? Why? Why do you say to yourself these things, he says? The why question is what helps uncover the hidden idols that have failed you and disappointed you, you see? See, our view of God is often eclipsed by what we see and feel in our present circumstances, isn't it? What you tell yourself about God is very, very important. Everyone in this room is a theologian. How do I know? Every time you think about God, you are doing theology. And so for many of us, it's not that our formal Sunday school theology is wrong. It's our daily functional theology, the theology that you live by. Our thoughts about who God is, especially when we are overwhelmed, discouraged, and despairing. So when the dark cloud comes, it's often hard to see when the sun is going to shine again. In the darkest nights of the hour, it's hard to trust God in the dark. And when you're sinking in despair, what do you need to hear? See, as they were drowning in despair, Isaiah comes as a counselor in verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow faint or grow weary of watching over you. His understanding is unsearchable. Notice how he says, have you not known? Have you not heard? Isaiah is reminding them of what they've always known and heard about God. No new doctrines. In times of despair, what we need is a reminder of what we've always known and heard. Not something new, right? What we know about God needs to sink into our hearts. Let me say this. The truth about God must not only be clear in your head, it must be real in your heart. Amen. Right? So theological clarity, clarity of truth about who God is, needs to sink down into the deep recesses of your heart. So Isaiah is coming along and saying... Have you not known with a knowing of the heart? Have you not known God with a knowing of intimacy? 
Have you not heard, not just with the hearing of your ear, but with the hearing of faith? Have you not heard with the hearing of faith? In the midst of imprison, sorry, in the midst of pain, suffering, and despair, nothing is hidden from the Lord. This is what he's saying. When hope seems hidden, God is not weary of watching over his people. He sees what we cannot see. His perspective is not limited. Isaiah says, he is the everlasting God. He keeps covenant forever. He's faithful, he says. Yes, he's the creator of the ends of the earth. It's not as though at the end of the earth, he can't reach you. Elsewhere, Isaiah says, the Lord's hand is not too short that it cannot save. <laughs> Just because our way seems hidden from view, does not mean they are hidden in God's eyes. Amen. You see this? Just because I can't think of any reason why he would, he would be so slow in fulfilling his promises does not mean he doesn't have a reason. You see, faith looks to this God who is accomplishing his sovereign plan. He does not grow weary or faint. His understanding is unsearchable. This God is everlasting in wisdom and power. And though Israel had failed to trust him in the dark, God still came and kept his promises. And so finally we see God renew strength in our weariness. And I'm going to take a drink before we talk about this topic. <laughs> I'm going to stay here for a while. Thank you. 29, let's pick it up. So he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, young people, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint, he says. Notice how verse 29 says, God gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Remember now that Isaiah is speaking of a time when Israel would be released from their captivity and be returned to their land. So to whom is power and strength promised here? He says, notice, God gives power to the faint, to the weak, to you this morning who have no strength. See, God does not give power to the strong and to the haughty. He gives power to the weary, to the weak, to the distressed, to the wounded, to the discouraged, and the most vulnerable, to those who recognize they need grace. So if you want power with God, all you need is to recognize your need. <laughs> The more weak and weary you are, the more you become empty of self-reliance. That's called sanctification. Right? Why do you think God sends the storms? To humble you, to bring you to an end of yourself so that your reliance is not on you, but on this absolute power that comes from God. Amen. It's called spiritual power. This is supernatural power from God himself. So if you need strength from God, all you need is your weary, exhausted heart and mind. You don't need anything else. <laughs> all you need is your weary and fatigued soul. And the more empty and exhausted you are, the more strength and power God gives to you. You see, 
Notice how he says, to him who has no might, he what? Increases strength. Strength is given in what measure? <laughs> increasingly, it's given increasingly to you who have no strength. So I want to say this kindly. People who haven't seen much hardships, pain or failures tend to be self-reliant. But even, in, even those in our prime time, young people with perfect health will be weary, Isaiah says, verse 30. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, right? Look at the little boys running all day. <laughs> at the end of the day, they're exhausted. See where your strength can take you, huh? <laughs> yes? Difficult circumstances and the demands of life and the pressures of life are going to come against your soul. Your soul cannot handle those things. You need the power of God, you see. Because human strength can only carry you so far. He says, young men shall fall exhausted because of living in a broken world. Goodness, grief. I'm turning 45 and I hurt myself just by sleeping. I hurt my arm last night. <laughs> I couldn't do some of the things I used to do when I was 30. It happens. So young men shall fall exhausted. He says, so what makes us weary this morning? I want to ask you personally. Are you weary of battling with chronic pain and illness? My wife, Giselle, here battles with it. One of the sweetest ladies I've seen in a moment of battling with chronic illness. Are you battling? Are you weary of battling with chronic illness? Are you exhausted from performance-based work culture? Are you weary of running from God? Have you been exhausted from parenting struggles? Are you tired or discouraged with your job? Did you drag your feet to church today? Did you barely make it? Are you tired of battling with addiction? Whatever that addiction is, the Holy Spirit knows. Is a guilty conscience weighing heavy on you? And is that sin that you are battling with becoming wearisome? You're tired of fighting. Are you weary of fighting with your friends, family members, kids, and spouse? Has that exhausted you? So are you weary of that nagging feeling that you're never good enough, that you never measure up? And the guilt starts to overwhelm you. And you're saying different things to your heart. Is that making you weary? Because if that's you, God has a promise in verse 31. But, that's the changer. But, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. To wait here in the Hebrew means to look hopefully, with hopeful expectations upon the hand of the Lord. So what happens to those who wait for the Lord? They shall renew their strength. They shall mount upon wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint, he says. Notice how he says, they who wait for the Lord. You can't hurry God, but he shows up to those who wait for him. You say, Pastor Joey, the waiting is so hard and painfully slow. And I know that from experience. But look at the promise here. 
It is they who wait for the Lord, not for anything else, but they who wait for the Lord himself, the person of the Lord. Incredible. It says, they shall renew their strength. Literally, that is to change strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. He says, notice, wait, renew, strength, mount up, wings like eagles, run and walk. Do you see the imagery here? Notice there's no human effort involved here initially, right? All that is needed is the waiting, that expectant, hopeful waiting. God's grace renews your strength as you wait. Weak and weary people are raised to run to make progress in the Lord. If you feel stuck in your Christian life and you say, I'm just tired and weary of battling with the same old sin, wait for the Lord. He says, you will make progress in the Lord. It's not like our gospel is weak. God has power. Weak and weary people are raised to run. That's a resurrection language. Mount upon wings like eagles to make progress in the Lord. God's grace lifts you up with wings like eagles. The original readers would have remembered Exodus 19.4, where God said to the Israelites, quote, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. He did it all for them. He rescued them from slavery, from bondage. And he brought them to himself on eagle's wings. He raised them up. My goodness. And this is what happened exactly, right? That's grace. He did everything for them. God's grace does not add more burdens to your weariness. He lifts you up mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically with renewed strength and vigor. He lifts us up on eagle's wings. And so you feel it when God's grace renews you in your weariness. You know he's there. You feel the very presence of God himself. You see. Do you see the word weary in verse 30? Earlier Isaiah had said in verse 28 to Jacob and Israel that God does not grow weary. So if God does not grow weary, see what happens in John 4, 6. Look here. It says, Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. God does not grow faint or grow weary. He has endless source of power at his disposal, and yet here he made himself weak. He comes in human form, embracing our weaknesses, wearied as he was. Do you see this? Jesus became weary near Jacob's well. Jesus experienced ultimate weariness on the cross as he died. He died thirsty and weary that we might be renewed by the Holy Spirit power. He was raised from the dead, and then he sends the Holy Spirit to renew us. And to the weak and weary Paul, Jesus said this, and you know this verse, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace finish it for me, is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in strength, weaknesses, your weaknesses. So you need to take that truth in your daily life, let it sink in, you see, to people laboring under the weight of legalism and the Romans, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, and you know this, say it with me, come to me, all who labor, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Jesus says, come to me. This morning, if you drag yourself to church, this morning, if you're tired and you're weary with whatever that is, Jesus says, come to me. Yes, you too. You're right here, right this moment. Jesus lifted up our greatest burdens, the weight of the sins that were crushing us on the cross. He has done the heavy lifting. So come and rest in him. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Nearness to Jesus is restful and renewing. Oh, that we would spend some time with him, lingering in his presence to wait and to meet with this one who says to us, come to me. There is no standard imposed. He doesn't say, go do this first and then come to me. He doesn't say, go clean up yourself first and then come to me. He simply says, come to me and I will give you rest. Nearness to Jesus is restful and renewing. And this very same Jesus who says to us, come to me, is coming back to renew all that is broken. He's going to renew all things one day. Isn't that such good news? Amen. Let's pray. As we st let's stand up and close in prayer. Come to me, all who labor, all you who are weary. Father, would you increase our reliance upon your wonderful, strengthening power. I pray for anyone who may be discouraged, disheartened, faint-hearted, struggling with chronic pain or difficult marriage or sin or whatever has caused us to become weary. That you would awaken our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, to see your beauty, your glory, and to rest in that truth, to learn to wait upon you, and to come to the one who promises us this great rest. So come, renew your people, Holy Spirit. Empower them. I pray these things in Jesus' great name. Amen.